Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We know that running a small firm is tough and ending the year with a profit is even tougher. That's why we created Profit for Small Firm Architects. It's a three-module digital course and it's available to you free right now by visiting entrearchitect.com slash free course. Entree Architect Podcast, episode 126. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. It's June and all month long here at Entree Architect, we're focusing our content on the category technology. On the blog, here at the podcast, and inside Entree Architect Academy, we are diving deep into the many technologies that we can use to make our architecture firms run more efficiently and more effectively. This week, I invited the co-founder of a relatively new firm to join us to discuss the many technologies that he's using to launch his small firm. Danny Cerezo is on the show, and we discussed successful technologies for an architect startup. This episode of the Entree Architect podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com architect. Danny Cerezo, welcome to Entree Architect podcast. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. I uh, love having you here. Uh, you're an architect based in the great city of Angels, Los that's, Angeles, California. That's correct. Yeah. And you, are, you are the principal and co-founder at CS Design. Yes, that's correct. So let's dive right into this. Let's talk about your origin story like I do with every guest. Go back to where you discovered the world of architecture and sort of <laughs> what drew you to it and uh, talk a little bit about your journey to where you find yourself today. Um, okay. Um, I'll try and, and be brief or else I can, I can rant on forever, but, um, I am, I, I guess the classic late bloomer, uh, into, into my journey, uh, in architecture. I was, uh, born in, uh, New York city in 71, grew up in Brooklyn, 
Um, my dad worked in the garment district in uh, Manhattan, and I used to go there a lot and visit him with my mom, drop off lunch and things like that. And um, that's where I, you know, initially fell in love with cities and buildings at a very, very young age. And I knew right, right away that what I wanted to be uh, was an architect. Um, when I uh, graduated from high school, I actually went up to uh, Boston, went to uh, Wentworth Institute of Technology, uh, studied architecture there. Unfortunately, you know, I didn't uh, take it very seriously. I was young and made a couple of mistakes and uh, I only lasted one semester. And so I went back home and I uh, was kind of wondering what I should do with my life. And um, I ended up joining the Navy. Um, and it turned out to be one of the best decisions of my life. I was uh, 19 years old at the time. And I wouldn't be a civilian again for about 16 years. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, I was, I was there quite a while. Well, before we get any further, thank you very sure. much for your service. You're welcome. Thank the things you, you guys thank you. do thank let us do that. the things we do, so I appreciate yes. it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so um, while I was in the Navy, I was able to uh, finagle a full scholarship out of them to uh, USC in Los Angeles, and that was the first time I had been to L.A., um, fell in love with it, and I majored in architecture again. Um, but this time I took it very, very seriously and you know kept my head down and um, graduated in 2000. But unfortunately, as you know, nothing in life is free. So although the Navy did give me a free scholarship, I did owe them a year for every year I was there. And that was a five-year program. So I had to go back for five years. Um, and then finally, in the January of 2006, just a little over 10 years ago, I got out. I was done. I was um, 35 years old. I had no architecture experience, really, because, I mean, as soon as I graduated, I was gone within days. Um, I had worked, you know, summers at, you know, at, at, at a firm here and there, you know, making models, you know, doing things like that, you know, that interns do, but nothing really um, serious. Um, I decided to move back to L.A., and um, instead of going back home to New York, the weather was just um, unbeatable. So yeah, I could imagine that was, that was an easy decision. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I got a job uh, through an old professor at USC um, uh, working for a developer who was doing a master plan community out here uh, near Palm Springs. And that was really my first taste of development. I knew I kind of wanted to do some of that, but I also knew I still wanted to pursue architecture. So in 2007, I enrolled at Woodbury University's master's program, master's in real estate development, and that was taught by um, uh, architects, and it was geared specifically for architects, including Jonathan Siegel, Ted Smith, Sebastian Mariscal, Lord Russell, those kinds of guys. And so two days a week, I would take a train down from L.A. to San Diego, three hours down, three hours up, and uh, did that for a year. Um, and finally, I graduated in 2008, and I had met a, a gentleman at the, um, the developer that I was working for, and I told him, hey, um, why don't we develop some uh, urban infill lots? And he said, great, and who's going to be the architect? And I said, well, I'll do it. And um, he said, and who's going to be the general contractor? And I said, you know what, I'll do it. And I went out and Studied for a weekend and got my uh, GC license, uh, passed the exam. And, um, you know, j I hadn't had any architecture experience, but my last few years when I was in the Navy, I was a construction manager. I was in the CBs and I was a civil engineer corps officer managing a facility out in Portsmouth, Virginia. So I did have a lot of construction management experience. So I felt that at least that would help us. Yeah, you probably had and more experience in construction than architecture at that point. Yeah, you know, I mean, my days were spent RFIs, you know, yeah. punch lists, you know, dealing with uh, pays and schedules and Gantt charts and, you know, all of that stuff. So it was kind of an easy fit. It was just more on, you know, the architecture side where I was lacking experience. Now, Pamela was uh, an architect or is an architect. At the time, she'd um, been working at a firm in Virginia and she was working for a firm in Santa Monica as well. So she did have experience that actually I could lean on and kind of ask her questions and, hey, how do you guys do this and what do you guys do when this has to happen? And so um, we started our first project in 2008, right when the when the crash happened. 
and uh, we developed it ourselves. It was just a four-unit project because at the time I was unlicensed, and in California, that's the maximum you can do without a license uh, is four homes at, at any given time. And um, this this was this was under CS Design. No, CS Design had not been formed. Okay. Yet. Okay. You also you mentioned Pamela, but you didn't introduce her. Oh, Pamela, for those of you <laughs> that don't know, is my wife and my co-founder and partner uh, in CS Design. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we've been married uh, thirteen years, and uh, yeah, she's she's been fantastic. So you knew her. each other during this development period. Yeah, we met in college. We okay, met in college. Got it. Yeah, and and. Um, yeah, so she knew um, that, you know, I obviously went into this development path, uh, but she was working at a firm full time um, in Santa Monica, California. But she was licensed, so you had a license if no, you needed no. it. No, she was, she, was, she was unlicensed. Oh, she was not, okay. As well, yeah. Got it. So um, uh, we ventured onto this uh, four unit project, um, you know, using all that knowledge that I had gone down from Jonathan Siegel and all those guys. And um, one day in 2010, we were done. We finished our first project. Um, we had our first open house, and in two days, they were all sold, and it was great. And I said, "Let's do this again," and yeah. we did another one. Oh, this is so easy! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you know, and it was you know, 2010. We still hadn't fully recovered, so we were a little nervous and apprehensive about what might happen. But it went well, and um, so we we did another project. And and as as it happens, as I'm sure you know, you start meeting people, you start meeting general contractors, you start meeting bankers, you start meeting this, you start meeting that. And what started happening was that we started um, getting inquiries to perform architecture related services. People were asking, "Hey, do you do you know work on the side?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know, sure, I could do that." And um, after a while, I was doing that late into the hours, weekends, and um, Pam wanted to move out of that firm that she was in in Santa Monica. So that's when we decided, why don't we take the plunge, go all out. And in 2013, um, we formed CS Design. I had gotten um, my license the year before that. Um, and I was 41 at the time when I got my license, uh, 42 when we opened up CS Design. And I'm 45 years old now. But uh, and and I feel like I'm just getting started. I feel like I'm a 25 year old out of college, you know, just getting you know getting things going. And I feel like there's so much to do. Um, you know, and ultimately our goal is to try to grow a a design build architect and developer firm. And that's kind of kind of my backstory, I guess. Yeah, that's a very interesting story. So you you sort of came around from the back, you know. It, yes. It, you started with construction, and then that yes. those buildings were developing. And right. so the buildings you were developing started creating demand for your services as an architect. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny the way things work out. But yeah, that's how it worked out. And, and so far, it's been great. And so your, your first project, you just went to a developer you knew and said, hey. No, our, no my first project was literally me and, and, and uh, one of the gentlemen that I was working with at that development. Oh, at that development. At that, uh, so how did you fund that first project? Because that's always the question. Right. Every, that's every architect has. How did you fund yeah. it? Um, and, and that's a great question. And in that particular case, it was um, uh, all private equity. Uh, th this uh, partner that I had partnered with um, had uh, contacts where, you know, they, where he knew where, where he could, we could get the uh, private equity to fund that project. And um, so yeah, it was investors. So purely investors, yeah. And he knew at the people time, out there with money, and those people correct. invested in your project and got a correct. return on it. Yeah, there was no way anyone was going to give us a loan. It was first of all, it was two thousand nine when we were starting, so everything was crashing. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't have a license. I had just got my GC license. Who are you guys? You know, that that had to all be done with private investors, private equity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. very interesting. The um, so you and Pamela are partners. Correct. Um, and you started a few years ago, 2013. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, talk about a little bit about the roles and the responsibilities that you each have as, as not only as architecture partners, but sort of outside of the firm as sort of, you know, firm and your family. How do you right. work that all out? Right. Well, um, I'll talk about the firm first. Yeah. Um, so uh, given given my particular experience that I'd had, I mean, having been a construction manager while I was in the Navy, I was an officer in the Navy. So I was used to running, you know, divisions of, you know, 40, 50 guys. I kind of naturally just moved into more of the managerial role, um, uh, you know, dealing with clients, contracts, 
things like that, um, um, setting up, you know, the things that we needed, you know, back of house type of stuff for the office. Um, Pamela is much heavier, uh, a, a much better designer than I am and more experienced um, designing projects than I had. So it was, it was natural for her to kind of take on more of those roles and responsibilities. And that's kind of how we divide it up. So she primarily runs the, you know, the typical SD, DD phase, CDs, all that other stuff. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, part of that. But she's primarily um, doing all of that while I'm doing all of the other stuff uh, back of house. And, you know, we work out of our home office. Um, in our case, we don't have any kids. So, um, you know, our, our work-life balance is, is perfect. I mean, we get along really well. I mean, we're, um, I, think I wrote about this on a post that we're together 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, but it's great. And, um, you know, we're able to separate the two. You know, once you kind of get into the house, um, you know, we're in the house, you know, we're watching TV, cooking, going out, whatever it is that we're doing. And, you know, when we're in that home office, then we're in the home office. Um, and uh, that's kind of how we divvied up the rules. And working in the same space, side by in side. The, in the same space, side by yeah, just maybe yeah. six or seven feet away from each other. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you and I have very parallel lives. I mean, yeah. I'm married to my, my uh, partner. You know, Anne Marie is, you know, for, for new listeners, Anne Marie McCarthy is my part, my life, or my wife, uh, yeah. and my um, partner at Five Cat Studio. Uh, and we have the same roles and responsibilities, you know, divided the same way that, that, that Danny does. You know, I do all the business and, and uh, you know, entrepreneurial things and, and right. management things. And Anne Marie does all the design. Again, right. you know, Anne Marie, just like Pamela, is a much better designer than I am. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, so you go to the strengths and, and, that's right. and it works really well. Although the that's one right. thing that's different is that I have my own studio and uh. Andrea has her own studio, <laughs> which we learned very, very early on how to stay married. That's how you stay married uh, for any of those people considering that, that, uh, the idea of working with your, with your spouse, <laughs> I highly recommend two separate spaces, Good tip. But, but we okay. do the same thing that, that when I'm in this studio, right. um, it's work. And when I right. leave the studio and I go back, commute up the stairs to my kitchen, <laughs> um, it's, you know, I'm dad again and, and, right. I'm, and I'm, you know, a, a husband again. And so, uh, and I have hours. I work, you know, the same hours that, that uh, well, very different hours, right. but they're specific hours. Right. Um, the, you know, the, the benefit of working within a home studio and, and virtually with staff is that I do have very flexible hours, um, but I work pretty consistently on the same hours during the day. So my kids know and my wife knows and the world knows when I'm working and when I'm not working. Right. Um, so let's, it's speaking about home offices and sort of working remotely, do you have staff that you're working with? Do you have people that, that, you, that you partner at, with? At the time, no. The only thing that we um, uh, consult out for is, well, making trips to the city, you know, permit clearances and all that stuff, um, just because it takes a lot of time and, you know, it's just not a good use of my time to be sitting waiting for my number to be called to clear some, you know, yeah. some sewer permit or something like that. Um, we get our renderings. We just started doing this, um, getting our renderings um, uh, done by a, actually a guy we met on House, House dot com, and um, and that's it. But everything else we do completely one hundred percent ourselves. We're we're probably at a point maybe in the next six or seven months where we may need to you know, create our virtual studio and bring on our first uh, person to help us out. Yeah. And what type of work do you do? Uh, most of our, pro you mean for clients? Yeah, for, our, yeah, yeah, yeah. for the architecture. Uh, most of the projects are residential. Um, we're actually doing a couple of um, uh, uh, multifamily residential developments here in L.A. that we're actually investing in kind of, you know, the architect as developer thing. Um, I like to do renovations and additions, Pamela, not so much, but I like to do them. So, um, we're doing a few of those and, uh, we actually did our first TI, um, a few months ago. Actually, we just visited yesterday, just got, just finished, just wrapped up. We met with the clients. They were very happy. So a little bit of everything, um, uh, just cause you know how it is when you're a young firm starting out, you kind of need to uh, not be as choosy just because yeah. you got to put food on the table, keep the lights on, that kind of thing. Diversify. Yep. That's right. That's right. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to FreshBooks for their support as a platform sponsor of Entree Architect. 
because as a platform sponsor, FreshBooks has provided funding and support for our overall mission here at Entree Architect to become an influential force in the profession of architecture. They recognize the need for small firms to build better businesses in order to be better architects. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use accounting software designed to help us small firm owners get organized, save time, and get paid faster. It takes care of invoicing, expense tracking, estimating, reporting, and it all happens out on the cloud, so you have access to your information from anywhere that you have access to the internet. And as an exclusive offering for only the Entree Architect community, I've asked FreshBooks to join me on video and show us around the product. I know that once you see how easy it is and how simple it is to use, you'll convert to FreshBooks too, just like I did. Tim Lee of FreshBooks and I produced a series of videos and they're available for you for free at entrearchitect.com slash freshbooksvideo. entrearchitect.com slash freshbooksvideo. And when you're ready to give FreshBooks a try, go to freshbooks.com slash architect. freshbooks.com slash architect and sign up for your free 30-day trial. It's free. Give it a shot. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section so that they know that you came from the Entree Architect community. June is technology month here at Entree Architect. All throughout the blog and the podcast uh, and in the Entree Architect Academy, we're talking about technology all month long. Mm -hmm. Um, What I was hoping that we could do is talk a little bit about the technologies that you're using uh, to run your young firm. What, What are the things that you're using? So I thought maybe we can, I could just sort of go through the list real quick and then we'll go back and visit each one. Design software, project management software or technologies, uh, accounting software, communication tools, you know, both right. internally, be, you know, between you and Pamela, if it's more than, you know, turning your head and talking to her. Right. Uh, and externally out to your client base and, and, uh, and, and marketing. Right. And then uh, maybe some mobile apps and social media tools. And so um, let's talk about design software first. That's a big topic right now. We just had yes. a, a big, uh, we had a expert session in the academy. Uh, yes for uh for bim mm-hmm. he was talking about revit and how to use revit and right. um so what type of software that are you using for design for design we primarily use three pieces of software um i, I like to use whatever is best for the task at hand uh, pamela's the same way so for example uh for our renovation and addition projects we use uh chief architect that's mm-hmm. something that we uh, brought into the office um, earlier this year it's just so well suited for that particular um, task, so um, we decided to make that uh, investment. Uh, but primarily, our design software is Revit. We've been using it, I think. I mean, Pamela's been using it since she was at that firm in Santa Monica. We obviously have it, um, and uh, we use uh, and, pa- and Pamela uses SketchUp a lot. So she will go back and forth. She will do all of her. Uh, model her designing you know on paper and trace and then bring it into sketchup and play around with it and then as she's going she'll start going back and forth between sketchup and revit in order to document you know what we're actually going to do but it you know it's funny that you asked and and we had the um, um you know the the on the in the academy on the of bim yesterday we're actually considering um t- uh, converting over to archicad at this point mm-hmm. We're a Mac-based office. Yep, same here. And so in order to use Revit, we have to use Parallels or Bootcamp. Um, Bootcamp is just, we found it to just be a pain in the neck because all of our other apps are Mac. But, and, you know, if we make the complete conversion over to Bootcamp, then we're kind of in a full PC world. Um, and Parallels um, running Revit is just obviously not as optimum as running it on a full-fledged PC. Mm-hmm. So um, we've been um, talking to our graphics software seller here in uh, L.A., and we're really considering uh, making the plunge into ArcCAD. But obviously, as you know, you know, converting from one piece of software to another is not a, a light task. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, we have to both learn it. Um, but that's kind of where we're at in terms of the design software. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, inside the academy um, on the forums, it's it's on fire right now. Talking yeah, about I bet, different I bet. tools. Oh yeah, the Revit Archicad Wars too are yeah. very popular. Yeah, I think. It, I mean, uh, there are a lot of you know small firms, sole proprietors, and small firms mm -hmm. who are in that CAD to BIM transition. Right. Um, and you know, just the question on which one to pick. You know, right. it's just that just that question is overwhelming right. because it, yeah. it, you know, once you pick it, you have to stick to it. Yeah. Um, or like you said, it's a big giant deal to switch right. over because you have to get yeah. retrained and, right. and it costs money. And, yes. you know, there's a there's an investment there both in time and, and cost. And so uh, just that question of which one's best for my firm is a big question that we're, That's right. that we're debating right now. Um, and so possibly Archicat is where yeah. you're, you're, you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. 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 yeah, interesting. Um, what about project management? Once you sort of get it designed and you're you're working you know, both with the architect as, as developer as well as when you're working as an architect, do you have any special tools that you're working with? Yeah, we we use three. Um, uh, again, each one suited best for what we think is the task at hand. So, for example, for overall project management, we use um, Trello. So we are creating our systems in Trello. We're creating our project templates in Trello, um, trying to identify, you know, the steps for each phase, you know, since a lot of what we do is repetitive. Um, and so what, what Pamela and I do is we'll have a meeting. We'll go through our Trello cards, let's say, for a specific project. Let's say we're in the DD phase, and we know more or less, you know, the, 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 the big strokes that have to get done. But then what we do is we use Todoist, for the mm -hmm. actual task management, just because it's easy to get tasks in and out, you know, and, and I, I, at least we find it easier. Um, Trello than, has that capability as well, right? It, it does. It but does. But you find um, that, that Todoist is more efficient. Correct. Yeah, I, 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 we like to use Trello just for the big picture and then, you know, dig down with Todoist. Uh, it, it, just because we were using Todoist before we were using Trello. Yeah. And so we're, we're so used to it that you know, that, that one's a little, that's a, that's a relationship we don't want to break yet. Yeah. Um, and the other piece that we use is Evernote. Um, we use Evernote um, for all of our scan, you know, they have a scannable app, which yeah. um, if, if anybody doesn't know Evernote, I don't know if they developed that or maybe they bought it or something. I think they but they bought it. Yeah, yeah. It's a great app. Yeah, uh, I use it all you, the time. Yeah. Oh, you, just, you can scan anything. It's, explain, we actually have explain a, how it works. So um, you open up the app, and let's say you have a document. Like um, sometimes we'll get corrections from the city. Actually, I just did this the other day, and I need to send them to the structural engineer. And I say, hey, here's the list of comments from the uh, – now I have a scanner in the office that we, we used to use. And you, know, you load the document in, you, boom, you enter in the email address, you hit the button, and it's almost like a photocopier and sends it off. Um, the problem is, is that that just kind of doesn't live anywhere except other than the email. So with Scannable, what you do is you open up your app, you hold up your phone um, on top of each page, and it automatically snaps a picture. And, and, it, and it saves it at, you know, let's say 10 pages. You give file a name, and you save it up to Evernote. And all of our projects, we have a folder within Evernote for that particular project, and so I'll save it to the folder. So not only do I uh, have the ability from Evernote to then mail it out to the structural engineer, but I also am starting to create a kind of online file of all of the things related to that project. Um, we use Dropbox as well, um, but, uh, you know, in order to get our documents um, from hard copy to digital, that's, that's our app of choice. It's fantastic. Yeah, what I love about Scannable, in addition to what you just said, yeah. is, that, is that when it takes a picture, it's not a photograph. It actually right, converts right. it into a scan. So it looks that's like right. you just put it on That's a flatbed right. scanner and scanned it. And, and I think, it's searchable, right? Exactly. And when it That's goes right. in when it goes into Evernote, everything in Evernote is searchable. And so you can right. go to Evernote and you can search for any text that's on that document and it will it'll pop up. It's it's a great app. If anybody's not using it, I would say pause the uh, podcast right now, go download it, and then come back. It's fantastic. You know, Danny and I are both Mac-based, so I don't know if they have a, an Android version of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but but uh, they do have an iPhone version of it, yep. and yep. Uh, it's, it's excellent. And, you know, Evernote, we also use when I go out on my site visits. Um, I have a, a site visit template that um that i open up i just basically change the date change the project you know, you know i'll type in you know when i when i get there who the attendees are and then i'll just start 
typing on my iPad as we're having the meeting, as we're walking around and, oh, you know, we need to do this, call this guy, do that, whatever. And if I need to take pictures of something, I can just, you know, hold up my iPad, take a picture, it goes right into the note. And usually by the time I get to my car, I just kind of check for typos and hit share and send. By the time I, you know, I drive away, everyone has a copy of the, you know, the site visit meeting minutes. Yeah. So that, that's another great tool. I mean, Evernote is fantastic. It's another one everyone should be using. Yeah. You can also do um, audio recordings in Evernote so you can speak to it. Um, or you could just use the, the iPhone voice to, to text. That's feature. right. So if you yeah. don't want to be typing while you're, while you're working, you can do like you can do your review on site right. and, you know, do voice to text and just exp- talk about what you're seeing and it will right. write it in the notes for you. That's correct. And yep. then you just go back and edit, edit it to make it sound, you know, more like it was written. That's great. Th- there's also one other tool, which is kind of um, uh, a little bit more analog, a little bit more old school that I use, uh, that I recently, um, uh, acquired, which is a, a, a Moleskin. Uh, I'm sure everyone's familiar with the Moleskin notebooks. They just recently came out with a uh, smart pen. Um, so it's a notebook that's kind of tied to a. It's got. I think it's got some very digital fine printing on the embedded into the sheets. And um, there are times where I'm just doodling or sketching, or I just you know I just whip out the notebook and write. Maybe I don't have my iPad with me, or I don't want to use my iPhone. And um, um, that is connected to Evernote. So every page from the notebook automatically gets uploaded to Evernote. Again, searchable including all of the images and sketches and everything that I'm doing. So that's a great little analog to digital tool that I, I, I just got it about maybe a month and a half ago, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, so that's, that's sketching with real pen and ink, right? Yeah, it's just a pen, yeah. You, and, and, you know, you're just drawing like, you know, like we all used to do in the old days in, yeah. in your sketch. But now it's a specific sketchbook that's geared for this pen. Right, but it doesn't uh, look any different, right? It looks no, like a it doesn't regular look any different. Yeah, it yeah. looks like a regular pen, yeah, you know. And and once you get it into the uh, app, you can actually change line weights, add color. Um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful tool. Yeah, so cool. I, technology, we are living in an amazing time right yes, now. For, archi- for, for anybody, but for architecture and for creative people, uh, the, the technologies out there every day get yes. better and better for us. And it's so exciting to, uh, to see what's out there and what we can do with them. Um, what about accounting? Sort of go from the creative, wonderful, happy sketching stuff to the to the less happy, boring uh, financial stuff. What, what, are you okay. using, what are you using for for, uh, for accounting, accounting? I I use two. Um, I use FreshBooks and I use QuickBooks. Okay. Um, I use QuickBooks just because it keeps my accountant happy. Um, uh, he prefers. Um, uh, you know, we, you know, he's invited into it, and so he can, you know, um, you know, check on check my work because I'm not a very good accountant. Actually, I'm a horrible accountant. Um, but I love FreshBooks for the ease of use yeah. and its 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 robustness. Um, clients can get their um, like their login page. They can come in. They can check. You know, you can see retainers or invoices that they've um, received and paid. The time tracking capability is fantastic. Um, expenses are easy to capture on the fly um, with my iPhone and I get them all in there. So I use it for that. Um, and in order to, to avoid du- you know, having to do everything twice, yeah, I, I, right, I have an account with Zapier, uh, zapier.com. It's kind of like IFFTT. Yeah. Or is it IFTTT? I always messed that right. acronym if, up. If then, then that. If this, then that. It's like that. And so, you know, you set up these triggers, or they call them zaps. And um, so whenever I create an invoice in FreshBooks, um, Zapier will automatically create the invoice in QuickBooks. Oh, and so I don't, have, I, don't, I don't have to, you know, enter it in twice. Um, Zapier, how do you spell that? Z-A-P-I-E-R. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, so that's interesting. So, yep. so that was going to be my question. Are yeah. you double doing double input? Initially, I was, and I said, yeah. "Hey, wait a minute! There's got to be a better way." And, and yeah. I and I knew that uh, if this, then that was out there. Um, and they didn't have a a uh, at the time, um, and, and or, or I didn't want to spend the time figuring out how to how to do the um, the connection between FreshBooks and QuickBooks. So I did a little bit more googling and found Zapier, and it's been great. Yeah, very so, very cool. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, what about communicating? What about communicating? Let's start with internally when you're when you're working with Pamela or or uh, you know at somebody else that you might be working with consultants. What what are you using for communication? So I mean, obviously internally in our case, we're literally yeah. right next to each other. You so all I have to do is reach <laughs> over and say, hey, you know, what are you doing, or you know, what do we need to do? So that's easy. If if I'm ever out of the office, you know, I'll usually just pick up the phone or or, or shoot Pamela a text. Yeah. or something like that. Um, but primarily we're using uh, email um, with my clients since, um, uh, you know, they they're tend to be right around our age. They're not as, as um, you know, wary of uh, or weary of uh, tech. Yeah. I can send them texts as well. Um, they all have Dropbox accounts. They have Evernote accounts. So it's really easy to invite them into this, that, and the other. Right. I have considered, um, you know, utilizing Slack um, because it's such a great tool, but haven't really taken the full plunge into that tool yet. Yeah. Um, what I like about it is that it would kind of capture everything you know, instead of having things in my email inbox and some stuff in Pamela's inbox and another, you know, in the structural engineer's inbox. It'd be nice to have one repository, and Slack seems to be able to offer that. So that's something that um, we're considering looking into, but we haven't really gotten into it. So mostly email, text, and phone calls is how we yeah. communicate. Yeah, yeah I, I love Slack. I've mentioned here before that I have four different Slack teams. I'm using it for the Entree Architect Academy. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then I use it also with my the investment partner, uh, Charette Venture Group, or my partner at Entree Architect, right. uh, for, for the CVG team. And then I also use it for um, my firm, Five right. Studio. So I'm working with my consultants and, and my staff with Slack. And then I recently put together a family team where I actually have my, <laughs> my kids on it. And so, because cool. we're always doing these projects and it's yeah, a great yeah, way yeah. to sort of share yeah. links and take pictures and sort of record the whole project. And so we have our own LePage family team. Let, let me ask you a question. When, when yeah. you decided to use it with your, with your consultants, um, was that a challenge? You know, was that, you know, some of the consultants that I'm working with, you know, talk about BIM, um, it'd be great to have, um, you know, some, our consultants utilizing BIM as well, you know, for, you know, collision detection and things like that. Um, how, how did you find their uh, openness to using Slack and things like that? Well, I mean, the, Consultants like engineers and that kind of thing, right. they're not so interested in right. cooperating. I'm, when right. I say consultants, I'm talking about, you know, freelance architects and, okay, gotcha. and draftsmen who are, you know, basically employees, right. but they're just not right. employees. Right. Um, they're all on as part of the team. And so yeah. uh, same thing with Entree Architect. Uh, I use it for the business of Entree Architect as well. And the, and the team is all on, on it there as well. But, uh, you know, engineers and surveyors and things yeah. like that they're <laughs> slow to to adopt yeah you know setting their ways yeah architects are are notoriously slow adopters and then the engineers are even slower <laughs> so, <laughs> and so we're, i will not disagree with they you will all, they will all catch up um and we talked about mobile apps a little bit do you have any other uh, cool apps that you're using um i use uh obviously dropbox um uh, is is I mean, we couldn't. I don't know how we would function without Dropbox. Uh, so, you know, are you using Dropbox as your server? Is, is that that's correct? Yeah, everything, yep. yeah, everything that we do is on Dropbox. Um, and like I said, when I use the scannable app, I automatically will save it to um, Evernote. And usually, what I'll do is I'll, then I'll go to Evernote and just kind of save file, download files, and make sure that they get into the Dropbox folder as well. Um, the other apps that we use are more related to um, uh, our, our social media or our website. So, for example, um, Morfolio, um, uh, that's a great tool if anybody's not using it. Um, it's what, kind of what like, is that? It's kind of like, um, God, how would you describe it? It's kind of like the old school yellow trace on your iPad. Um, you can import, you can, let's say, be on a job site. Or, or maybe at a potential job site, you can take a photograph um, using your iPad, and then you can overlay a digital yellow trace over it, and then start doodling or you know, maybe showing your clients potential ideas. Um, that's a great tool. You can also measure scale. It's great. They have a pro version and a free version, I believe. Um, and the other apps that I, Squarespace. Um, sometimes we have a. Uh, Squarespace um, hosted website 
And so if I ever um, wanted to do a blog or something like that or, or something quickly, I can do it on my phone or on my iPad or, or just wait till I get home. But I mean, those are the biggies. Yeah. Are the, biggies. the blog is how we connected. The, um, the uh, well, you connected on the Entree Architect right. um, Facebook page right. and or the Facebook group, actually. Right. Um, which is a private group for architects only, and it's a so if anybody wants to join it, it's it's actually a really really active group. Um, it's uh, it's entrearchitect dot com slash group will get you there, and you just ask for permission to join us. And if you're an architect, we'll say yes. And uh, and Danny's in there, and he's a, a great contributor, always posting interesting comments and and uh, and posts. And uh, recently started posting uh, articles on on medium dot com which is great. The, the, it looks like you've sort of split up your writing. So your, your professional, the writing for the profession, for the architects is on Medium. And then you have a blog on your site that you also write for that's dedicated to your clients. And so you sort of split up your, your content. Talk about that a little bit and why you did that. Sure. Um, yeah, that's correct. Uh, so, so we, we have a blog on the website. Um, I, you know, and, and like everyone says, you know, they always wish they could blog a little bit more. I, I don't know how you do it all. Uh, frankly, you blog <laughs> podcasts at the academy. So uh, your your days must be longer where you. I have the clone machine <laughs> right over there. I need one in of the those. corner of the studio. There's yeah. ten of me. But um, yeah, so so for the website, um, what we try to do is um, try to gear it towards clients um, or potential clients. Um, so it's you know, it's it's not as portfolio-y, yeah. if, if yeah. that's a, 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 the right word. I was going to suggest that listeners go check it out because that's what I like most about it is that it's not designed for architects. It's beautiful. Right. Thank but you. It's, but it's designed for your client. It's, right. It's it, very I, well done. I try to give them options. You know, what are you doing? Are you doing a residential project? You know, we added the commercial stuff, and so it's geared towards trying to you know, get clients um, to consider us. Um, and so the blog is that way as well, just trying to give updates on what we're doing with our projects. Um, I recently, um, uh, Eric uh, Reinhold um, gave me some inspiration to um, to uh, prepare a kind of design process guide, which I'm working on, um, which I'll have on, on our website also for potential clients. But then, uh, you know, there was this part of me that where I wanted to kind of just talk amongst ourselves, you know, talk to the profession. And yeah. uh, um, I don't know where I found out about Medium. I don't know where I was online in the rabbit hole somewhere. <laughs> and I said, hey, this is a great um, tool. It's it's, it's blogging. It's really easy. You know, there, I don't have to, you know, do anything. Fan. I just start typing really and, you know, insert an image if you want. And, uh, and then I said, well, you know, what do I write about? What do I want to talk about? And I just started thinking about a lot of the questions that I have been asked over the years by friends, colleagues, whatever, and just started writing about that. And so, yeah, so it's been great, you know, a little bit for, for ourselves and a little bit for clients. Yeah, yeah, the the posts on Medium are really great, and that's really where where I really you landed on my radar when you posted that that first post in Medium. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't know if it was exact it was your first post or not, but that was the first was. one I saw. Yeah, uh, it's called Six Things I Learned My First Two Years Running an Architecture Firm," um, and then it's two parts. It's actually the the bad stuff in the first section and the good yeah. stuff in the second in the second section. Right. Um. Really good. Really good posts. And uh, and then you also recently wrote about being a partner with your right. wife and how that right. works and your role right. and responsibility. Really interesting. Um, and then this week is architect as developer. And I know you're going to get a whole bunch of traffic on that after people hear that because that's what yeah. everybody wants to hear about. Right. Um, so it's all about architect as developer. You can do it, too, is what that's you wrote. Right. And it's that's very right. interesting. And I love my, my favorite part of that article is the. The note before the article starts, the note says, for all you techies out there who might have run a search on Medium for architect as developer, this article is not about coding, Ruby on Rails, or developing your own app. This is about those other architects, you know, the ones who design buildings. But if you're curious, <laughs> stick around. I, I love that note. Yeah, you know, it was funny. I, before I before I wrote that 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 particular post, which, which I just did yesterday, um, I went on Medium and I did a search. I typed "architect as developer," and everything that comes up is about a software architect yep. or software developer. It's all about that. And I was like, "Well, if I do this, I'm probably going to get a lot of techies. They're going to come to <laughs> check this thing out." 
and I just wanted to save them some time. So I put that note yeah, right up at yeah, the top. I, I love it. And you know, the architects complain about that all the time that, oh, that, yeah. that other industries talk about, you know, use the, the term architect. And every time they do a search for architect, well, people, yeah, I the, hate the, it the, the search engines search for the, the most content. So the yeah. only way to fix that right. is for you to start writing about architecture. Right. Because the more articles out there about architecture and architect as developer and all those things, the more there is out there, the more will be found. And, That's right. and we won't have that problem as much as we do now. So uh, I, you know, I think that it, uh, we're running pretty long on time here. So I would love to have you come back. And talk about architect. I would love. Developer. I would love to be back. Yes, because I know that everybody heard about architect as developer in the beginning, and now right. here is talking about it at the end. Right. And they want to know more about it, and I want right. to know more about it because that's sure. my future as well. That's where we're going with Five Cat Studio. Absolutely. Uh, that's our our long term plan. We're right now in the process of transitioning from client based projects to that developer uh, model. So uh, awesome. I'd love to have you come back and talk about that a little bit, and maybe. Uh, I could tell you a little bit about my thoughts and you can sort of steer me in the right direction. Sure. So we'll, we'll have you, we'll have you come back. So Danny, I want to share some of your contact information with the community here. Your world on the internet is C and S design.com. That's C and spelled out C A N D S design.com on LinkedIn. It's linkedin.com slash in slash Danny Cerezo. And Cerezo is C-E-R-E-Z-O. On Twitter, it's at DCerezo underscore L-A. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash csdesign Los Angeles. And for all of those great articles on Medium, the newest one, Architect as Developer, you can do it too. Go to medium.com slash csdesign L-A, right? That's correct. All right. Yeah. Danny, this has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And uh, so did I. I think we're on, on uh, similar paths here. And so it's great talking to you. And I appreciate your time. And thank you for your service to the profession of architecture. And thank you for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Podcast. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. I really had a great time. I appreciate it. Complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 126. And I haven't, I haven't done this in a while, but I would love for you to go to iTunes and rate and review the podcast. Go to entrearchitect.com slash iTunes and that will send you straight there. Just hit the star buttons and let us know how many stars you think we deserve and review it. I would love to hear a little bit about who you are and why you listen to Entree Architects. Just type in a couple of words there and let us know. By doing that, you're going to help us get the word out about Entree Architect Podcast, have more architects throughout the world, learn about what we're doing here, and we're all going to grow together. So entrearchitect.com slash iTunes, rate and review. And if there's an architect or an entrepreneur that you want to hear featured here at Entree Architect Podcast, I want you to tell me about it. Send me an email at support at entrearchitect.com, support at entrearchitect.com. Let us know who you want to be featured here at Entree Architect Podcast because I want to be talking to the people that you want me to be talking to. I want to share the knowledge from the people that you want knowledge from. So go to support at entrearchitect.com, send us an email there and let us know who you want to be on the show. And don't forget to grab your free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, at entrearchitect.com slash free course. It's free, but it's worth way more than free. It's worth hundreds of dollars. If it was sold on the site, it definitely would be at least $200. Um, but I want to give it to you for free because I want you to learn how to be profitable. And I want you in our world of Entree Architect. You're going to get the newsletter. And every week, I'm going to send you a newsletter and talk to you about what we're doing here. And I just, I just want you inside what we're doing. So that's why I do that. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to get out there and share what you know. Thanks for listening.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.